Support for this podcast comes from State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal when it comes to home and car insurance. State Farm agents are always ready to help you personalize your insurance plan so you can create a policy that fits your needs. You can manage your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim right from your phone with the State Farm mobile app. And you can always call one of the State Farm agents in neighborhoods across the country. Get a great rate without sacrificing great service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Half fish, half human, all weird. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. We did an episode on Island of Dr. Moreau. I've been thinking a lot about Tiger King, as you might, although by the time this airs, I think it might be be long watched and back in our Netflix shared history. But it, it reminded me of I was kind of obsessed with Barnum and Bailey growing up. Baraboo, Wisconsin is where a lot of circus happened. So that was really on my radar at that point. I think I've seen uh, Ringling Brothers Mm -hmm. in New York City, I believe, at Madison Square Garden. Wow, yeah. And circuses, like, they're just not, like, we all hate them now, which we should. We should. They're bad. They're abusive, whatever. But I think as a kid growing up and at a certain time, you know, maybe like 20 years ago, it was still like such a fun, exciting thing. And before that, the sideshow world of circus. Well, we've changed our minds on that because The Greatest Showman was very charming. And it just (laughs) showed Hugh Jackman being a real cool guy, accepting of everyone and not explaining anybody. Oh, interesting. And singing really well. As someone who didn't see The Greatest Showman, I agree? Disagree. Agree? Zac Efron is very charming. I don't know. Yeah. How are his abs? You don't really see them, but you know. You know that they're there. They're there under whatever his costume is. I don't know. Whatever, like, turn of the century bullshit it is. All right. For today's fail, I'm so delighted to discuss the Fiji mermaid, which is a staple of sideshow circuitry in the mid-1800s. What was it? Where it came from? It's so bizarre, and it's so indicative of people being like, I need entertainment. I am thirsty for looking and experiencing anything that might seem like exotic or might seem, um, you know, bred in a strange way or something that I can't find in my own tiny region. of. The I wish world. it were still like that. I wish we still were like, wanted to be voyeurs and look at like freakish things, but I mean, we don't, we're just not interested yeah, in that. No, it's true. It's true. We're not interested in that. Um, the simple times where we just wanted to check out some strange, you know, two headed baby pig. I, I just no. look at the clouds. You just look at the clouds? And, and, and look inward a yeah. lot and take deep <laughs> yeah. cleansing breaths. That's me, That's though. That's great. Me, I'm made of cat hair on Totino's pizza rolls. So we're both doing our work that we were supposed to be doing during this time of quarantine. I'm, I'm very happy for us. The Fiji Mermaid started with an American sea captain named Samuel Barrett Eads. He got completely money struck when he bought what he believed to be a mermaid from a couple of Japanese sailors in 1822 for $6,000, which is about $14,000 now, which doesn't seem that much really. So take that for what it's worth. It's already crap. You know, it's already like not like you're not, it's not like, you know, like some British museum, like a mummy. Like at this time, everyone was really obsessed with endangered species. They were obsessed with antiquity. They wanted artifacts. So this guy bought a off the truck, Japanese sailor sold bargain bin mermaid. 
he used the money from his ship's expense account and took it to London, where people surprisingly lost their shit over it. The Fiji mermaid was displayed in London in 1822 and was advertised in a publication by Jay Limbert in The Mirror, which is a big, big press for that time and for now. 20 years later, Captain Eads' son took possession of the mermaid and sold it to Moses Kimball of the Boston Museum in 1842, and he brought it to New York City and showed it to Mr. P.T. Barnum. So at this point, the mermaid was circulating in Europe, brought it to America. People were like really responsive to it there, and P.T. Barnum saw it and was like, Okay, this seems fruitful. I'm going to take it to a naturalist to examine it for authenticity. The naturalist was like, this is bullshit. This is insulting. And he's like, you know what? Let's still put it out there. So, I mean, the authenticity part is really just a formality. Yeah, it's it's very performative, I think, to be like, oh, I'm taking it to this expert to make sure that it is what I am saying that it is. And they were like, it's not. So don't. And he's like, okay, I will. Bye. Thank you so much for your time and service. So Barnum believed that the relic would draw the public to his museum. Kimball remained the creature's sole owner while Barnum leased it for $12.50 a week. So he would lease this mermaid to take it to wherever he wants. He was not the original owner, but he was sure that he was going to make something out of this. Barnum generated publicity for the object by having an agent sent anonymous letters to New York newspapers from Montgomery, Alabama and Charleston, South Carolina, contending that Dr. Jay Griffin had an object which he had caught in South America. Griffin was actually being impersonated by Levi Lyman, one of Barnum's associates. To keep the plan working, Griffin checked into a Philadelphia hotel, then showed the mermaid to the landlord as a thanks for his hospitality. The landlord was so intrigued that he begged Griffin to show it to some of his friends, many of whom were big editors kind of a roundabout way to get press, but it happened and it was very successful. Griffin traveled to New York with the Fiji mermaid, displaying it for five days in concert venues before Barnum had convinced Griffin to bring it to the American Museum of Natural History. Barnum printed 10,000 pamphlets, which described the mermaids in general and how his specimen fit into mermaid science, history, whatever mermaids were perceived of or whatever bullshit he had written in these beautiful pamphlets. So what was the mermaid? Well, the Fiji mermaid was an object composed of the torso and head of a baby monkey sewn to the back half of a fish. The original had fish scales with animal hair glued to its body with gigantic human tits on its fish chest. So it also had like fake, it was a lot of things. It was fish. It was monkey. It was like paper mache fake women's anatomical boobs. The mouth was wide open with its teeth bared, usually. The right hand was against its right cheek, and the left was tucked under its lower left jaw. The mermaid was supposedly caught near the Fiji Islands in the South Pacific. That was the history around it. After Barnum got a hold of it, lots of people had their own cobbled-together monkey-fish carcasses kind of in competition with it. It's hard to know who had the first Fiji mermaid specifically, because there's a lot of people that say that they made kind of this mermaid-type object before the first one was made famous by P.T. Barnum, or somehow the original version had not gone to him and was bought by someone else from Captain uh, Eddie's Eads. Exhibits at Ripley's Believe It or Not, Coney Island's Sideshow by the Seashore, and Bobby Reynolds' Traveling Sideshow all lay claim to having the first Fiji mermaid. There were tiny ones. There were ones with fish, like, fish parts that were like little goldfish. Um, with fake plastic on them, with monkeys. There were ones made of total paper mache and modeling putty sealed with wallpaper paste. And one of them that was made out of like doll parts and fish parts. Whatever 
could make one, people would make them and try to make a buck off of it. So I want to thank Jan Bondison, author of The Fiji Mermaid and Other Essays in Natural and Unnatural History, and Stephen C. Levinson, author of P.T. Barnum and the Fiji Mermaid. I just did the inflation calculator. I feel yeah. like we do this every time. So it only, it only goes back to 1914. Uh-huh. $6,000 in 1914, not 1822, mm-hmm. is $157,000 in 2020. There's no way 6000 would only be twice as much in a hundred. I just did bad math. In 200 years, 6000 would be only 55% more. Maybe I just forgot a zero or something in my calculations. Can you call yourself a Jew? <laughs> I'm a bad Jew. I'm the Fiji mermaid of Jews. Have you seen the movie? Remember the movie Splash? Yeah. That was like the time in culture. And I feel like early 1980s was perfect to have Tom Hanks fall in love with Daryl Hannah as the mermaid. Yeah. Agreed. Man, I'm still sorry. I'm still reeling about my bad math calculations. It wasn't a bargain bin. Uh, no, it was mermaid. very expensive. It was a very pricey, fun, cool sideshow thing. I take, I'm doing a living amendment to the podcast that we are recording as I say this. Damn. I was expecting a different kind of mermaid. Yeah? Yeah. What kind of mermaid? All fish, baby. And boobs. <laughs> All fish and boobs. <laughs> Hey, I'm Shar. And I'm Kelly. And together we host Drinking and Screaming. We're a new horror discussion podcast based out of Vancouver, British Columbia, where each episode we pair a new cocktail with our movie of the week. For instance, I'm pairing this ad with just a shot of tequila. You know, because most ads are horrible. With Drinking and Screaming, you'll find yourself pulled into a new horror film to discuss and a new cocktail to try every week. Every episode is laced with great soundtracks, theme breakdowns, production trivia, Char's bad drinks, and so much more. What? I said clips from the movie. New episodes every week. Join in on the spoops. Drinking and screaming wherever podcasts are found. I give this ad a 5 out of 10. You know, we don't rate the movies. 5 out of 10.